This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to MPB Season Pass. I'm Liz Gill with Jay White. On today's show, we're going to speak with Anita Aguelas with the Gulf Coast Research Laboratory Marine Education Center in Gulfport. We're going to talk about saltwater fly fishing. Who knew? <laughs> Lots of folks knew, but uh, just not me, I guess. The Mississippi Book Festival is coming to Jackson in a few weeks. Why are we talking about it on Season Pass? Because that They've got a Mississippi Got Game panel that Sid Salter is hosting, and we'll hear about that. We've invited onto the show Range Master Dad Touchton from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And we're going to talk about the Turcot Education and Shooting Facility. So thanks so much for coming on for the show, Jed. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, I love finding out all of the, the different things that are possible to do in, in Mississippi. And uh, we're certainly blessed to have our DWFP with all of their facilities that they have. And one of them is the Turcot Shooting Range. Um, so tell our listeners where it is and what it is. Yes, ma'am. It's a outstanding shooting facility located just outside of Canton, Mississippi, uh, right on the banks of the reservoir uh, between the Natchez Trace and the reservoir on Highway 43. And it has a lot of different shooting ranges. Is that right? Tell us about each of those. Yes, ma'am. We, we can pretty much shoot anything you would like to out there. Uh, we have a 3D archery range, a, an archery sighting range. We have all kind of shotgun venues, sporting clays, uh, skeet, and five stand. We've got a 300-yard rifle range and a 60-yard pistol range. I Last year, we interviewed someone at a clay sporting clay sports shooting competition and that has uh, fascinated me. Tell us how that works. Yes, ma'am. We, we have a we host a lot of sporting clay tournaments uh, at Turkot. A lot of them are fundraisers. We host uh, several big name, you know, fundraisers that you'd be familiar with, like Miss Mississippi and uh, Young Business Leaders of Jackson, uh, you know, anywhere in between. Uh, the way that works, you just rent the facility from us. Uh, it's a set rate, and you can contact me, and we can discuss that. And you uh, come out and, 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 and have a good time shooting. It's, it's We're great for camaraderie, and everybody has a good time. I'm sure that would be a, a, a good way for a charity to raise some money or for a uh, – a corporation to be able to to have a, a little bit of fun and uh, uh, get to know all of its employees. Absolutely, it's great for both. We we have a good time at it. Now, uh, for folks who m- may not be real competent at different types of shooting, uh, I understand there are some classes that go on from time to time. What are some of the classes that are offered there? Yes, ma'am. We teach a uh, pistol class. It's a it's a great opportunity for for really any level shooter. We we have 
uh, what we call the 100 pistol class, which is pretty much an introduction to a handgun. You don't even have to have a handgun. We, we provide guns and ammunition and do a really good, long, thorough talk on safety and, and, and teach you everything from, from how to load the weapon to aim and everything else. It's a great class. And then you can kind of progress into the 200 class from there, which is a little bit more advanced. Uh, it's still, you know, when I say advanced, don't let that scare you, though. It's it's we, we cover the basics in that class as well, and it's a it's a great great class to really hone your marksmanship with. Um, and then we even offer the Mississippi Concealed Carry class, um, and you you come and take it, and we'll walk away with a certificate that you can take down to the Highway Patrol and get your uh, enhanced carry permit with it. Is that a certificate that everyone has to have to get a concealed weapons permit? Not to get a concealed weapons permit, but to get an enhanced concealed weapons permit. There's okay. a little bit of difference in the state of Mississippi. The enhanced just allows you to carry more places than the concealed weapon permit. Okay. Um, my kids, they're all out of grade school, but uh, there are so many different sports now that are available, uh, so many, just a, a number of different sports. What? Tell me about the Mississippi Scholastic Shooting Program. Yeah, we're super excited about this program. We started this uh, about this will be our fourth year to have the program this year, and we started it um, really just we one of the local schools in Jackson had uh, an intercollegiate shooting program going on, and some of the other schools reached out to me and really wanted to uh, compete against them. So we sat down. I sat, I sat down and kind of wrote a. a handbook to and rules and everything else and, and this program was born and it's really grown from there we, we reached into a lot of different uh, established shooting sports programs from around the country I, I've got some great counterparts and friends in South Carolina and Georgia and all over the place that we really tapped what they were doing and tried to kind of mimic it here in Mississippi and it's really really turned out to be a great opportunity it um, has grown last year we had about 140 shooters in, in our state shoot, and we'll, we'll have well over 500 this year. So it, uh, it's a great opportunity if it's something that, that it, uh, you know, your listeners would like to have some more information on. They can go to our website, uh, mdwfp.com, and really get a lot of information there. There's a tab for MSSP, and um, we'd love to, to talk to them and, and try to get it started in their school. Well, that's great. Yeah, I'm sure there will be some go-get-em parents or maybe some go-get-em administrators who uh, – would like to offer that it's when great. Um, it's a great opportunity when I was looking at the the website about uh, using the range now there's a little bit of paperwork that's required to use it and can you can you tell folks can they fill that out online or can they just show up and uh, fill it out when they get up there uh, either that we, we they can certainly do it at Turcotte or, or they can do it online before before they come in, it's it's just there's a rule page on our website, and it'll ask you to put your personal information in and everything, and it'll kind of behind the scenes in our computer system, we can look you up on your name and know that you have have completed our safety course and, and signed signed our, our rules and regulations, and we'll be free to shoot. Now, Turcotte is in Jackson, so those of uh, our listeners who are in the central Mississippi region have uh, great access to that. But where else does DWFP have shooting ranges? We also have another range uh, just south of Wiggins, Mississippi. It's called uh, McHenry Shooting Range. 
it um it's a great facility has most almost everything that we have here at Turcotte with the exception of the sporting clay trail but it is um it is a great great facility we opened up about three years ago and, and we're real proud of it as well pretty much the same everything that happens that we do at Turcotte they do down there we have another range coming on that we're building now in Zardis, Mississippi. We don't have an exact date to open it yet, but we're, we're trying to really reach statewide with, with these ranges, and that's, that's the goal of Department of Wildlife, and we, uh, we hope to be servicing the whole state soon with shooting ranges. Jad Touchton, we are so excited that you've been able to speak with us. If folks wanted to go online to find out more information about the Turcotte or the McHenry shooting range, uh, where would they go? Uh, they just go to mdwfp.com. Uh, if you go under the law enforcement tab there, you can see a link to McHenry Shooting Range as well as Turcotte Shooting Range and uh, the MSSP shooting program. There's, they're all listed there and, and, and contact information and all of our rates and hours of operations are all available right there. Well, fantastic. Well, we're so, we'll have uh, that link and the phone number uh, all on this show's webpage, which uh, we hope folks will listen to if they if they miss any of our interview that they'll go back and listen to the parts they've missed because I've so enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for taking your time out today. Thank you for having me. That was Jad Touchton from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks talking about their shooting ranges, the Turcotte Education and Shooting Facility and the McHenry Shooting Facility. When we come back, we're going to talk about saltwater fly fishing and the Mississippi Book Festival, Mississippi's Got Game panel. I'm Liz Gill with Jay White for MPB Season Pass on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. We realize you might not be able to listen to a show in its entirety. To go back and listen to a show at your convenience, download or stream our podcast on whatever platform you receive podcasts and subscribe to us while you're there or listen at mpbonline.org slash season pass. If you picture fly fishing as standing in waders on a mountain stream, that's not the only image you should keep in mind. Saltwater fly fishing is a pastime right here on uh, 
uh, right here in Mississippi on our Gulf Coast. And we'd like to welcome to the show now Anita Arguelles with the Gulf Coast Research Laboratory Marine Education Center in Ocean Springs and somebody who saltwater fly fishes. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Jay. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Liz, my producer, and I, we've talked to a number of people who live inland and mountain or stream fly fishing is what comes to mind. Why do you think that is? Well, I think because of movies like River Runs Through It and and how fly fishing started in the U.K. and over in Europe, it was typically on streams where salmonoids um, populated the river. So fly fishing appears to be a very active pastime. It's not like dropping a line in and waiting for it to bite like you see like with, uh, with regular, I guess regular fishing is what you would call it. Take us through the steps of fly fishing. Okay, so fly fishing is um, kind of hunting. It's a hunting for a fish. You're not just out there casting like you said. You're really kind of pursuing a specific species. And in order to do that, um, historically you've tied feathers and fur on a hook that emulates something that that target species wants to eat that's there in the water. So maybe, for example, in a southern um, coastal environment, you might be emulating a crab and you've used primarily feathers and fur to tie this little crab pattern on a hook and that's what you're hoping a redfish will take because redfish feed on crabs. Very, very interesting. So the the saltwater versus freshwater thing, is that has one or has one or the other always been associated with fly fishing typically? Typically, cooler waters are associated with fly fishing. Um, a fly fisherman named Lefty Cray, who was in Florida, kind of started the whole saltwater fly fishing movement. And that was a long time ago. In fact, probably 30 years ago, I took fly casting lessons from Lefty Cray. Saltwater fly fishing was around, but it wasn't popular. Um, it was primarily like you defi- described before somebody would head to a mountain stream in Colorado or someplace that was a natural mountain stream and fly fish for um, trout, brown trout, rainbow trout, cutthroats, yellow um, uh, brook trout. So that's kind of the image. Could be out west, could be over in the east. And then um, they started having these tailwaters. So tailwaters are water that comes from um, like a reservoir Mm -hmm. up up in maybe central United States. Over in Arkansas, they have a lot of tailwaters. Over in eastern Tennessee, there's some tailwaters in Georgia. And they come from dam generation. So you're generating on the um, with dams to create electricity, and that releases some of this cool water that's down at the bottom. And that means that that river can support a salmonoid population. So it's pretty typical that the state uh, fish and wildlife will stock those rivers with salmonoids, and so that's kind of how you envision, you know, freshwater fly fishing. Uh, uh, that's what, it's the image that everybody gets in their head, and mm-hmm. they usually, you know, have waders, they have hat and vest, <laughs> and they head out to these beautiful rocky streams, and they're looking for, um, you know, brown trout, rainbows, brooks, cutthroats. 
So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, if on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, in, in, in lieu of mountains, I know we don't have many of those down on the Mississippi Gulf any. Coast. That's right. Where are some of I know there are some rivers uh, in the Gulf Coast, but you've got that, that beautiful blue Gulf of Mexico. Uh, well, <laughs> you've got that beautiful Gulf of Mexico uh, down there. So where are the places that, that you do a lot of uh, fly fishing on the Mississippi Coast? So it looks a little different here on the Mississippi Coast. Um, for one thing, like you said, we don't have those rocky streams. We don't have those mountain areas. Um, we have a lot of coastal tidal rivers. So you can fish out of a boat or from the shore on those rivers, and you can catch, because that water tends to be um, brackish. It means it's a combination of fresh water, salt water, and then it gets into full marine as you get into the bay and out in the, the Gulf of Mexico, um, Mississippi Sound. So in those brackish waters on the river, you can fish for um, brim, bass, striped bass. Um, you can fish for further down the river, closer to the mouth. You would see speckled trout, redfish, black drum. So you can see all these uh, fish. For one thing, these fish are larger than most salmonoids are. I mean, let's just face it, a, a 35, 45-pound black drum is going to be much bigger, much feistier than, say, you know, a small trout that was stocked by, um, you know, one of the Arkansas Fish Wild Game and Fish Department. So you're going to get a beefier fish. You're going to get a more exciting catch when you emulate, um, in this case, a crab pattern or um, maybe a clouser minnow, something that's swimming in the water for a for that big uh, species to bite. So that's interesting. So the Mississippi Gulf Coast actually gives you a little bit of a different, maybe a wider variance of things that you can shoot for than where you would normally fly fish? Absolutely. You're going to have, you start with speckled trout. Most fly fishermen start with speckled trout. And they they ha- can catch flounder on a fly rod, redfish, a black drum, a cobia, which start to get into your game fish. Cobia mm-hmm. is the, the only Mississippi game fish, registered game fish. Um, so you can start catching these larger fish. They also have teeth, and so they, they put up a different type of fight on your line. They're bigger, they're feistier, they bite harder, they, they're more aggressive. You know, when you're out fishing in a cold water stream, almost it's like um, maybe a rainbow or a brown just kind of sips that fly in, whereas that's not the case on saltwater. That, that fly is attacked. You know, he's, he's in a much more competitive environment, that fish is, and so he's going to attack that fly and he puts up quite a fight. So it's a different type of fishing. And I noticed with, when I talk about it with my husband, you know, and I took him up to these cold water streams, he's like, blah, blah, you know, <laughs> this is boring. <laughs> and so it's a whole different kind of fishing. It's a little bit more challenging to me, saltwater fishing, than, say, cold water stream fishing because the water doesn't move the same way. You have to sight fish for fish. You have to kind of guess where they're going to be. And you don't always end up having a productive day, but when you do, it's very exciting. Well, how about that? So are there competitions on the coast for uh, fly fishing? They're not. It, it, fly fishing on the Mississippi coast is relatively small group mm-hmm. of people, which means it's a, you know, it's a lot of room for other people to get engaged in fly fishing uh, on the coast, but um, there are different clubs that have different competitions. So I participate every year in a competition called, it's a, a bluegill competition where we fish the Chutica River exclusively for bluegill. We, and then when we do a weigh-in during the day, uh, you know, see who has the most and the biggest and the biggest, um, you know, creole catch. And then uh, Hossfly, Historic Ocean Spring 
Saltwater Fly Fishing Club has a an annual uh, fishing tournament too, where you go out and try and get the, the largest and most unique species. So there are small. The, each of the clubs are hosting these events, but there's not as much of a formal saltwater fly fishing competition. Gotcha. My producer uh, Liz, uh, who you talked to, became aware of this through the historic Ocean Springs Saltwater Fly Fishing Club because they offered a three-hour seminar on how to gear up for fly fishing. Uh, for folks who missed that or who are hearing this and thinking about this for the first time and want to get involved in it, how, how might they do so? Well, I'd say if they're down here on the coast, they do want to try and check in and attend a club meeting with Historic Ocean Springs Saltwater Fly Fishing. That's that's one of the best ways, or their local area. So there are other clubs, other fly fishing clubs that do have an interest. Like up in Hattiesburg, there's some clubs that are interested in fly fishing. And then over in Georgia, there are clubs interested in fly fishing. Seek those clubs out. And the reason for that is those members are tend to be, they want to share that information. They want people to have an interest in fly fishing. They want to further their education about, um, you know, picking up fly fishing as a sport. So that's the way I learned. I learned uh, from joining a club up in Memphis, Tennessee called the Mid-South Fly Fishers. And then when I moved to the Gulf Coast, I looked up another club called the Historic Ocean Springs Saltwater Fly Fishing. It's the best way to learn what gear you're going to need because the gear you need for a, a, tie, um, a freshwater stream is substantially different than the gear you need for fishing saltwater. And then the species that you're after, what flies you need to have in your fly box, all that is unique to the type of water that you're fishing. So you kind of need some inside information. Resource books are good, uh, you know, in general information. Local fly shops are another place where you can go and seek out that information. Very, very interesting. Uh, Before we let you go, tell me what what goes on and what you do at the Gulf Coast Research Laboratory Marine Education Center there at Ocean Springs. Right. So I'm the um, marketing professional for the marketing educational marketing specialist that works with the Marine Education Center. My job is to help uh, promote their programs, and we teach uh, marine education and marine science to uh, school groups, field trip groups, K-12, through about the coastal environment. And so we take all of the research that's going on under the USM School of Ocean Science and Engineering and communicate that in, you know, outdoor classroom modules, uh, floating classroom on the boats. Um, we had, you know, we have um, waterside classrooms. We have we have regular classrooms and regular labs where they might do shark dissection. So we do a lot of work with uh, school children, like I said, K through 12, and expose them to the habitats, what's here, the science of the habitats, and hopefully encourage them if they're so inclined to uh, pursue a STEM-based career and go to the University of Southern Mississippi to do that. Excellent. Anita Arguelles with the Gulf Coast Research Laboratory Marine Education Center in Ocean Springs. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. I'm Jay White along with Liz Gill, and this is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thanks for tuning in to MPB's Season Pass. I'm Liz Gill with host Jay White. The Mississippi Book Festival, our own literary lawn party, is August the 18th. One of the panel discussions will be led by Sid Salter, syndicated columnist and chief communications officer and director at the, of the Office of Public Affairs at Mississippi State University. And the reason we're talking about the hottest book festival in the nation, joking, not joking, <laughs> on Season Pass, is Sid is heading up a panel, Mississippi's Got Game. Uh, welcome to Season Pass, Sid. Thanks so much, Liz. Appreciate uh, spending time with you today. Well, we're glad uh, that you've made time for us. Um, you're the moderator for the, the panel, um, but you're an author yourself. Uh, tell us about the subject of your book, Jack Crystal, Voice of the MSU Bulldogs, for folks who might not be familiar with him. Uh, I was uh, fortunate to be able to spend time with uh, Jack Crystal, uh, one of the really legendary uh, sports radio broadcasters. Uh, he, of course, broadcast Mississippi State University football and basketball for 58 years. Uh, and just, just a guy from the golden age of radio. Grew up in uh, Memphis, was a... Uh, Russian immigrant, uh, second generation, uh, had a fantastic life story that I was uh, able through a series of interviews to uh, share. And of course, uh, Jack, uh, unfortunately, uh, has passed away now, but that uh, that book was kind of a victory lap for him at retirement. Uh, the book uh, generated about 12,000 uh, sales which for a book of that nature is phenomenal, and it speaks far more to uh, Jack than it does to uh, anything that I did. But uh, I'm very fortunate in moderating a panel at the book festival this year that features uh, two very legendary coaches uh, in Jim Carmody and Jack Carlisle. Jim Carmody, the uh, coach at University of Southern Mississippi and on other staffs uh, around the South. And, of course, Jack Carlisle, uh, really one of the pioneering uh, high school coaches uh, and, of course, did some coaching at uh, higher levels as well. Uh, they both have books out. They're fascinating reads. I'm really looking forward uh, particularly to uh, Jack Carlisle's uh, participation in this. And then we have uh, books from Paul Lacoste, who is an athlete at uh, Mississippi State, a linebacker. He's gone through uh, a life story that is uh, that is fantastic, battling uh, you know some some serious disease uh, and and battling sort of a lack of belief in in his uh, personal trainer uh, approach to helping people be the best they can be. And then finally, Steve Robertson. Uh, who wrote a book that really shook the rafters of, of college football uh, in that it uh, focused on 
uh, some of the NCAA challenges that uh, faced the uh, University of Mississippi in recent years. So four uh, authors who uh, really have a lot to say about uh, sports in Mississippi and about the transformative effect that uh, sports can have on our society as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to spending time with them. Well, that's great. Um, Jack Carlisle's book, Cactus Jack Against All Odds, he's the subject of, of that book. What's, uh, what's your one takeaway, your one uh, story, uh, when, you, when the name Jack Carlisle comes to mind, what do you think about? Well, as uh, I live in Starkville, obviously, and uh, when you pass uh, Starkville High School, the baseball field is named for Jack. And, of course, I remember as a very young uh, sports writer uh, actually covering uh, Jack as a coach. And uh, when I think about Jack Carlisle, I think about uh, old-school relationships between coaches and players where the coach is sort of uh, unquestioned and uh, blindly obeyed and if the coach tells the athletes to run through a pine tree they back up and get a running start Uh, but just a a tremendous man outside of uh, his coaching abilities and I guess uh, that's in two words what I think of when I think about Jack is old school and there are so many uh, middle-aged men now who look back on their relationship with Jack with great fondness and great respect and I'm, I'm so pleased that he's been able to uh, share some of these stories uh, through his book and, and as I say uh, I, I'm sort of a fan of Jack Carlisle so I'm looking forward just to the to the experience with him but old school coach and I think uh, if he had been looking for a secondary title uh, for his book that would have been appropriate all right uh, moving on uh, Jim Carmody and his the book about him is big nasty Mississippi's coach uh, what comes to mind when you think about him in his time at USM well Jim Carmody was uh, you know a really uh, outstanding coach and he led uh, southern Mississippi to some of their finest years uh, but one thing this nasty bunch uh, defense that has become a trademark of the Golden Eagles uh, it started during his tenure it has uh, lasted all of these years uh, the current uh, iteration of Golden Eagles still cling to that designation if you play defense for the black and gold uh, you're part of that whole nasty butch uh, scene and it's not uh, it's not a commentary on whether or not they play dirty it's uh, a commentary on the fact that they play hard they're relentless uh, never quit uh, and the defense has been able to keep uh, southern mississippi uh, in a lot of games when they weren't fortunate to have uh, quarterbacks like brett Favre or reggie collier that defense could hunker down and keep them in the game. So I, I, I think uh, Coach Carmody uh, can shed a lot of light to visitors to the festival on how he was and, and how the program at Southern was able to achieve what they did uh, with the resources they had and as isolated as they were at times. Uh, I think it's a fantastic story. 
All right. Next on the panel is Paul Lacoste, as you mentioned, and his book is Lacoste, Living Life at the Next Level. What do you hope to hear uh, from him about his experiences or what story would you like to hear about? Well, uh, Mississippi State fans in particular, and I think uh, football fans all over Mississippi will remember uh, Paul Acosta as someone who uh, sort of came to his position at State as an underachieving, undersized, uh, lack of expectations player. And he literally transformed himself into a, uh, a force of nature uh, player uh, and uh, I think the lessons he learned from that was that you can uh, not be the fastest, the strongest, the most physically gifted uh, athlete, but through uh, hard work and training can make and mold yourself into who you want to become. Uh, after his college uh, football experiences, uh, Paul uh, went on to uh, sort of establish a uh, – a lifestyle life coach uh, training experience that has brought so many Mississippians, including uh, members of the Mississippi legislature and others into uh, sort of uh, remaking their bodies, remaking their approach to life. Uh, And it's a fantastic story in that Paul uh, went through a a life-threatening illness in the middle of this, but never let go of his principles and his plan and he used some of those principles that he was trying to teach people about remaking their body into uh, winning his health battles and, and moving uh, his life and helping others move their lives to that next level. So great story. All right. And then the last one, Steve Robertson, Flim Flam, the truth behind the blind faith culture that led to the explosive NCAA investigation of Ole Miss football. Uh, what uh, for folks who have uh, have been living in the woods, living in a cave, uh, what's his story going to be about? Well, uh Steve is a, a certainly, I think it's fair to say, a polarizing figure between uh, the fan bases at Mississippi State and at the uh, University of Mississippi. Uh, Steve's book uh, focuses on uh, the long and, and rather torturous NCAA investigation into uh, recruiting violations at the University of Mississippi, uh, violations for which they're currently serving an NCAA probation. Uh, And again, as that polarizing figure, there are some who love Steve's work, some who despise it, uh, but it was uh, at the very heart of this controversy that captivated uh, college football fans, not just in Mississippi, but across the South, and it came, the investigation came at a time when Ole Miss was enjoying unprecedented success uh, uh, back-to-back defeats of the University of Alabama, uh, other uh, accomplishments, Sugar Bowl trip, uh, you name it, under Hugh Freeze. So uh, Steve's book was, and, and, and not just when it was published, but while it was being written, uh, Steve's book was at the heart of this controversy. And regardless whether you are a Rebel fan or a Bulldog fan or just a fan of college football, this is a truly uh, fascinating, uh, rather groundbreaking book 
Uh, and Steve Robertson is uh, is an interesting figure. He looks kind of like a, a heavy metal rock fan, but he was very studious and very meticulous uh, in the production of this book. And I think people will really enjoy getting to know Steve as a person, not just as an author. Well, I'm excited that, uh, you know, Mississippi, I am currently wearing a T-shirt that says, uh, uh William, Margaret, Richard, and Eudora. Um, Mississippi has certainly had a long literary tradition, and it's exciting that that this Mississippi Book Festival is going to talk about some of the sports stories we've got to tell. Well, the the thing about the book festival that I find uh, so encouraging is that there's literally something for everyone. If you're into biography, if you're into history, if you're into Gothic Southern writing, if you're uh, into uh, fiction or nonfiction, there's something for everyone. And there's uh, each year there has been a sports component to the festival, and uh, I'm just glad that. Uh, uh, the organizers of the festival and the sponsors realize uh, how important uh, sports has been to Mississippi. Uh, we have a lot of problems, and, uh, of course, we, we talk about those problems a great deal, but we also have significant accomplishment, uh, not only from the four names on your shirt in, uh, in literary uh, accomplishments, but... Uh, in athletics, uh, NFL Hall of Famers, uh, NBA Hall of Famers, uh, all of these great athletes coming out of small towns in Mississippi and accomplishing great things. It's part of our uh, legacy. And the thing that makes the book festival the best ticket in town for someone who wants to learn more about their state and to just have a lot of fun is the fact that there is a uh, there is a menu. Uh, it, it's it's like uh, when your grandmother took you to Morrison's Cafeteria. It's a long line of great stuff, and you can sample a little of this and a little of that, and have a great experience. All right. Well, the Mississippi Book Festival will be held on the lawn of the state capitol in Jackson on August the 18th. The Mississippi Got Game panel, though, will be at 1045 inside on the air conditioning in state capitol room 201A. Sid Salter, thank you so much for being a part of MPB's Season Pass today. My great pleasure. Thank you, Liz. We're about to take our last break of the show. When we come back, we'll talk about what's going on in sports this weekend. I'm producer Liz Gill with host Jay White. You're listening to MPB Season Pass on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Liz Gill. I'm Jay White. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Liz, a bunch of stuff going on. We, we've gotten to, uh, we're in August now, and August is when football starts back up, and a lot of people are pretty excited about that. Uh, but yesterday being August 1st was um, a pretty interesting, uh, historic in certain ways day in Mississippi, because now 
you can uh, go to a couple of places and legally bet on sports. Yeah, you had some uh, off-site continuing education. <laughs> <laughs> I did yesterday. I went down to the coast and um, checked it out at the uh, Beau Rivage uh, in Biloxi, and it was it's it's interesting. I, I, I am very curious to see what you saw, what um, what people will be able to bet on, mm-hmm. and. What do they do after? I mean, some of the I know in England and I guess in Las Vegas, you can go and place a bet on something that's, you know, maybe a year away. <laughs> to, uh, and and is that is that going to be the case in Mississippi? Can you do, place bets things that evening? But there's, then also. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Those that futures betting is what that's called. And so. Um, like you can go there, and, and the other one is the Gold Strike, which is in Tunica. Uh, that opened yesterday, also. Um, and I should mention that I think every casino on the coast has said that they are going to open up a sports book. Uh, I believe all of them in Tunica. Um, I know at least some in Vicksburg and also some in um, uh, Philadelphia um, or Choctaw are going to open some as well. So um, no matter what part of the state you live in, you'll have at least fairly regional places that you can go if you want to do this. Well, and I think the idea of maybe some of the long the, – the when you gamble – some people see that as their fun right there. You know, they're playing cards, they're pulling the mm-hmm. the 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 game machine or whatever it is, and they're having fun right there. But then with with some of these sports wagerings, you know, you place your bet on Ole Miss, and then what are you going to do? And I think that's well, when that's... some of the other amenities surrounding the betting, the restaurants, the spas, mm-hmm. uh, that's where they hope to see some Given you get taking more of your money. <laughs> well, look, I mean the sports book, and and I mean as casinos work, there is a plan to everything, and it's very meticulously laid out and researched. Um, and, you know, even if you're coming in from the front where the fountain is, but specifically if you're coming in from the the parking garage of the Beau Rivage, you pass uh, you know a, a shopping mall like corridor of stores. Before you go into the main hotel lobby, before you turn right, in, before you even go to the casino. I mean, you've walked about a football field and a half length of stores. Um, and then you go through almost everything in the casino, including multiple restaurants and the buffet, of course, before you get to where the sports book is. Uh, not to mention all the other gaming. So, I mean, there's that's, you know, it's like putting all the all the essential stuff at the grocery store. It's like to put it in the back, so you have to walk through all of the other right. stuff and load up on that before you get there. But um, um, the, the futures betting, like you were talking about, so you can place bets on who's going to win the college football playoff. You can do that today. Um, so if you want to place a bet on Mississippi State to do that, you could go in there and place that bet today, and you know, just bless your heart. <laughs> right? You want to? Uh, you can place bets on uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss to win the SEC, even though Ole Miss is not eligible to win the league; they're on probation. I don't know why that's a thing, uh, but you can put money on them if you want to throw that away. Um, <laughs> you there? There are uh, predicted win totals for each team. So let's say, for example, <laughs> one of the. Uh, in sports radio here in Jackson, one of the hotly contested ones is Louisiana State. 
their their projected win total is seven and a half, and you can bet on them going over seven and a half wins or mm-hmm. under seven and a half wins. And the consensus this year seems to think that they'll not get to seven and a half. So take the under on that. And LSU fans, they uh, vehement vehemently disagree with that <laughs> as you do um, but there's, there's plenty uh, you can bet on um, what Major League Baseball team you want to win the American International League and the World Series um, you can bet on the Saints to win the NFC South Division and the Super Bowl you can bet on all, all the teams to win their division and their Super Bowl and then of course uh, the first week of college football, you can bet on that. You can bet already on who will win the college basketball NCAA tournament uh, and who will get to the Final Four. So those are all futures bets. But then, uh, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of live game action right now because we're dead in the middle of the summer, and so it's basically Major League Baseball. Uh, but they had a, a slate of those games yesterday, um, so I got to sit in a sports book and watch the Oakland A's play, which was. You know, a bucket list thing. I didn't oh. even know it was in a, bu- a bucket list. I'm a big A's fan, so that might that be was fun. S- uh, interesting. If if uh, you're a transplant to Mississippi or you have family somewhere else, absolutely, that what might be a place where you could actually watch a, a game that's not broadcast here. Well, see, I think that's the casinos on the coast specifically because that's a resort area. You know, you right. got the water and everything else, and so you got a lot of people that travel into that area. And um, I, I, I would imagine that that would be a big thing, specifically in football season, you know, that you offer, you know, vacation packages for, for people from the other SEC areas like Knoxville and Tuscaloosa and, you know, Fayetteville, well, you've, you've Baton been, Rouge. You, yeah. you spend the weekend, you know, in, in Biloxi and stay at or Gulfport or one of the casinos and stay in their hotel. And Saturday you spend all day watching the college football and playing whatever on your favorite team. And then, of course, on Sundays, especially with the Gulf Coast's proximity to New Orleans, Sundays when the NFL starts and the Saints right. start playing, I imagine that will be probably pretty rowdy. That'll probably be a, a pretty <laughs> excited and jammed up place on, on Sundays. I'm sure at least one or two New Orleanians will take advantage of that. Now, you've talked about the sport, uh, the pro games and the uh, NCAA games. What about junior college? No, I don't, I don't think it's they – don't, they don't put – gambling lines on games lower than the football bowl subdivision so that's okay. like the, the, the top part of division one all right so, so no no high school either no 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 i think that would be a that would be scandalous uh, somebody, oh, oh I'm, my. I'm sure it happens somewhere right but that's no no i don't think you can gamble money on high school sports be all right though. i'm sure somebody does it somewhere though <laughs> but uh, it's it's pretty neat. Uh, it's it's a very it's a comfortable place. Lots of TVs. You can watch all the sports and stuff like that. There's some other stuff besides baseball coming up, like the uh, the PGA Championship. I believe is next weekend, and that's a big thing. You can bet on who you, what player you think will win there. So yeah, it's fun. It was fun. So- something to do and a, a way for uh, revenue to be made. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's what they're open for anyway. Right. Uh, so there's some other stuff uh, uh, going on. Uh, you mentioned, um, or you have here, and I, I mentioned it right at the start of the segment, college football, high school football is all coming up. We're just a couple of weeks away. 
Uh, Thursday the 16th is when the high school starts, and Thursday the 17th is when Friday nights under the lights will be on on Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Right. Friday the 17th is the first week of Fanuddle, uh, which is the, I don't know, the 10th or 11th year that it's been on MPB. So, uh uh, with Russ Robinson and Jake Wimberly and the guys, and they will have all your scores and interview all the big coaches. And you have uh, at least the first week, they'll tell you all the big storylines and what the expectations are for this season. So that'll be a lot of fun. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Uh, as always, junior college football, Mississippi Juco's, one of the best leagues, the best league of junior college football in the country. That starts August 30th. And uh, as always, we're expected to have a you know a big crop of great players in Mississippi, and there's some really high-ranked teams. As always, are teams that are expected to be you know right right there at the end, including East Mississippi. Seeing a lot of folks on uh, social media that are uh, fired up about season three of uh, Last Chance U. Uh, it's it, the release of the first season that is not. Uh, it was not taped at East Mississippi Community College. And, so uh, folks for, are not. So a lot of people are not really excited about it. It's very different. So for some of us who might have been watching, I don't know, Project Runway or a, a, another <laughs> reality show, what I, I saw a mention about Last Chance You. What is that one? It's. Um, it was a magazine article that kind of went viral about the Mississippi Junior College football system and about how a lot of players that you know high profile players that uh, you know whether they flunk out or don't make their grades in high school and qualify to go to college or you know they get to a big school I mean I think the article was focused around if I remember Chad Kelly uh, who was a quarterback at Clemson, I want to say, and got in a fight with his coach in the spring game. Not a fight, but an argument. Um, and so kind of got sent out of Clemson. you know. And he was a, a super high-profile quarterback, dating an Atlanta Falcons cheerleader, going to Clemson, ready to be the heir apparent at quarterback there, gets in an argument with the coach, kicked off the team. He winds up in Scuba, Mississippi double bunking with an offensive lineman that weighs 385 pounds in the middle of nowhere playing junior college football but it is it rehabilitated his playing reputation and he wound up at Ole Miss and did a bunch of good stuff there so I mean it's kind of what last chance you all right it's kind of what it means but uh from what I understand, and, and uh, Buddy Stevenson, who's the East Mississippi coach, is kind of over the top and uh, can be abrasive, very abrasive at times. Uh, from what I understand and what I've heard, and I haven't seen it, but the, the coach, they moved from East Mississippi to a team in Kansas, I believe. And, and this year, the, I, I hear that the coach is even more abrasive and more over uh, the top. Oh, okay. So, right. I don't know. I, I don't really hate, I don't want I don't care anything about seeing it because it's not in Mississippi now, so... Anyway, <laughs> so thank you, Liz, for setting all this up again uh, this week. And well, uh, this is always exciting. I like finding sports I haven't heard of before and learning about them. Absolutely. Hey, stay tuned. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens is coming up next, and we'll see you uh, next week at Thursday at ten for MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.